blast from our past network. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom, and enjoy this bonus episode of Podcasting After Dark. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a bonus episode of Podcasting After Dark. I am Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. Joined with me is our pal, our brother across the pond, David motherfucking Irons. What's up, boyo? Corey, baby, I'm back on the show to the place where I love to be with you guys talking stuff, talking horror stuff, talking horror stuff. <laughs> all the horrors. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about right now. I've got too much Halloween ends burning through my brain. Um, no, I'm good. I'm good. You good? Is everyone good? I, I think so. We're we're doing a okay. And I know uh, I know you're always busy over there, either writing or working on your house and everything. So I uh, and you have a new book out. Can you uh, before we jump into Halloween ends? Can you tell everybody about your your new book? It's a collection of short stories. It is a collection of short stories. Um, I have a new book out. I'm doing a series of short story books um, called the Sicky Quickies Collections. And Sicky Quickies Book One, uh, called Halloween with the Beezer Bunch, is out now on Amazon. And uh, if you like Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Crypt, that kind of style of storytelling, there's four stories in there I think you're going to love. It's uh, It's a fun book. Um, I think you need to go and check it out. I think you need to go on Amazon and buy a copy, and that made me really happy. You know, I'm a cat happy as well because he's very hungry and needs to eat. <laughs> well, I picked up a copy. I got it about a week and a half ago, but I have not had a chance to uh, dig into it yet. Um, I'm hoping to after uh, after October. This month has been just crazy trying to sell my dad's house and everything, but mm. it's the closing is on October 31st, and I hope. That after that happens, my bandwidth will just explode open because it's just been insane for the past few months. But I'm excited to dig into that short story collection, my friend. Well, at this moment in my in time, my cat is very appreciative of the food that you've uh, purchased for him with, <laughs> with, with that sale of the book. So uh, one part of the plan has been solved, you know, so uh, it's, uh, that's all good. Well, sp- Speaking of plans, or clearly, <laughs> Not having a plan. <laughs> clearly lack thereof, uh, David and I are going to be reviewing Halloween Ends, the, the the final installment in the David Gordon Green Halloween franchise trilogy, um, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, I saw it. We, you and I discussed Halloween uh, Kills together. Um, that We did that under, I think, our, the guise of a wrap-up after dark. But this is going to be its own proper standalone episode. Um, Zach had not seen Halloween Ends, and I was asked him if he wanted to, you know, be on the show and everything. But uh, I think he had something else he had to take care of today. But he still hasn't seen it, and I don't think he's going to see it. Um, so... But it's perfect to have you on because you and I reviewed Halloween Kills together, and I think Zach was on that one too. And now you and I have been talking offline about Halloween Ends, but I was just like, you know what, David, stop talking. Let's just let's do this and put it on on you know on on the podcast and let's get our thoughts out there. Um, but and I just want to give a quick warning to everybody. 
This is at this point on full on spoilers. We're just going to have a free form discussion. There is not really going to be a format to this episode. It's just going to be a free form discussion. Leading up to your thoughts on Halloween ends, can you catch everybody up on your thoughts on Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills? Halloween 2018, I was, at the time, lukewarm on. Uh, I liked a lot of the ideas. I thought getting rid of the brother and sister angle kind of killed a lot of the story, basically. Like, why these two are connected, Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers. Um I didn't necessarily like it at the time. The comedy stuff with the cops was a bit eh. Some of the dialogue was definitely eh. Um, but over time, I, I, I kind of liked it. I kind of appreciate it. Uh, uh, overall, it was... Overall, IMDb, 7.5. It was okay. It was fine. And then you got to Halloween Kills, and I didn't know what to expect from that. And I just... I can vividly remember the feeling I had in the cinema when I sat down to watch it and the thing started and we started getting into, you, you got the vibe of the film, you, you got where this was going. And I thought this is essentially the Halloween trash 90s sequel we never got. This is just Michael Myers acting as a tank, flattening everything in his way. And I got to, there was, there was two points when I watched that when I was like, I completely understand what this is and I'm not taking it serious in any way shape or form um like i think the first one 2018 was quite serious in its portrayal of trying to be at least in, at points with the whole michael myers laurie strode thing but this one was just it was just a slasher film over the top slasher film and when you got to the point with the two guys living in the house and the kids say to them um oh this like who do you guys think you are and the, and the other guy goes don't you know what house this is this is the house where michael myers lives he's the guy that stabbed his sister in the tits i was like <laughs> i know what this movie is I, I i get where you're going with this i get where you're going and then that guy gets his eyeballs popped out like grapes and i kind of i was like i understand what this is. this is just a, like a big budget trash i, yeah. I can deal with this and, I, and I, I enjoyed it on that level and it was and i got a lot of abuse from people going you think that's good and i don't think it's necessarily good but i enjoyed it yeah and i mean that's that's all i really wanted you know i just wanted to watch a halloween michael myers film that i enjoyed and i did enjoy it like i had fun with it that's, so, that's how I felt with, with Kills as well. I think you and I were pretty similar. Uh, you might have liked it a little bit more than me. I liked I, it a bit more. Yeah, I know I did. So Zach thought it was the most yeah, hilarious Zach, thing ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zach yeah. hated it for sure. But like like looking back on it, because I had grand plans of, of watching 2018, then Kills before ends, never mm -hmm. came to fruition. Uh, so I just had to look back on my thoughts, on, you know, how I felt at the time. And I remember 2018, I very much enjoyed. Don't, like, remember much about it, but I remember I really liked it. I was probably fucking high as shit when I saw it. Uh, kills. <laughs> really? 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 <laughs> kills. I, I felt the same way as you. Like, I, I liked the, what, they, I, what they were trying to do. It was, I thought it was fun. Um, I enjoyed the, the actual kills in it, and I enjoyed Michael Myers in it. So I could take away those two aspects from it. And say, okay, I probably enjoyed about 55 or 60 percent of the film. It was it was all the evil dies tonight stuff that I just wasn't really into. And I'm like, okay, you know, sure, sure, sure. You know, and and in that movie, you know, for whatever I did enjoy of it, it was painfully obvious, just like the first Matrix, 
that this was always supposed to be a one and done standalone film. But when people, when you know, enough money will create, turn anything into a, a trilogy. And uh, I always hated, uh, I, I very much enjoyed The Matrix, and the other two were okay, but I always hated the fact that they were like, oh no, this was always envisioned as a trilogy. And you're like, no, no, it wasn't. Just don't lie about it. Just say, we made a successful movie, and now we want to expand upon it. And the same thing I feel like happened with David Gordon Green's Halloween series, where I think 2018 was is just fine. I think it's a lot of fun and it, it does what it does and it can end exactly there. And if anything, it should end there because a couple characters die in that movie and then they have to magically bring them back to life in kills, you know, but kills and then ends is so it's so apparently obvious that they had no idea what to do after 2018. Originally, David Gordon Green was supposed to be doing two films. That was the original plan. It was just going to be he was going to do a sequel to 2018, if if necessary. If if 2018 made money, then they were going to jump in and do another one. I think. So so he had to, he probably had ideas. If, it was already in his head. Like, look, if films, I need to, I can films. go this way. But he had yeah. nothing for a third f- for movie, I imagine. Well, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think the actual film itself proves. I don't think so. No, I don't think there was any idea there. But um, I'm just going to pose this question now before we get started in with this whole thing. But talking about this as a trilogy, how do you think thematically with the way the characters act, their motivation in each version, in each of these films and where they are in each of these films? Would you have liked this trilogy better if you had Halloween ends first, then Halloween kills, then 2018? Because as a character arc for Laurie Strode, I can see her ending up being the Linda Hamilton Laurie Strode, but I can't see her starting as the Linda Hamilton Laurie Strode. Yeah, and and it works in 2018 if it's going to be a standalone film. But you, I think you're correct, and we talked about it offline, which is basically you you proposed that it would have made more sense if she started out like this, where she was like, you know what, I'm going to forgive him, I'm going to move on with my life, and then he comes back into her life, and she's like, oh god, I got to steal up, and I got to get like ready for it, and it builds to the climax. It's such a reverse scenario again just like in the matrix where the first movie he ends it with he's superman at the end of the movie and then they have to reverse him backwards through the trilogy here she's already linda hamilton how you want her to be in 2018 and then she goes back in sort of in reverse and if we're so i do think it would have been smarter to do it the other way uh, you know and everything but if we were left with it the way that it is One thing I thought would have been more interesting, and they kind of alluded to it, but they didn't dig their heels into it. I wanted to see the the narcissistic disappointment in Lori when she truly discovers that it's never been about her. And I wanted to see that crush her like her viewpoint on in in the world and and you know it is about me and almost to the point i'm joking where michael myers like not about you girl you know what i mean like i think that would if we had to go in this direction i would have rather her seen her character go through that disappointment and that life 40 years of life you know her life being in one direction and then she discovers it's not about me this whole time like why did i survive you know do you know something? I think with the Netflix Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that came out last year, 
that was one thing they stole from 2018 and maybe got it right. Because yeah? Sally's whole thing, they, that, that scene you just described then actually happened in that movie. That's because right. Sa- and I, and Sally's after him, doesn't she? And she gets to the, the room and he's just looking at her like, well, who are you? I don't care who you are. And she was like, look at me, asshole. It's me, goddammit. And Leatherface was just got up and walked off like, you mean nothing to me. And it destroyed her and it sent her insane. So they yeah. did do it in that film. That that scene was replicated in that film. You're you're right. And I saw that movie and I immediately purged it from my mind. Uh, I think the <laughs> moment the moment that Sally got chainsawed her entire torso and then mm. 20 minutes later could reveal information, you know, uh, because she was still alive. And I was like, no, we're, guys, we're we're done here now. I'm I'm done with this movie. Uh, but yeah, so so you're right though. You are right. And in looking back, it was probably one of the more interesting things about, uh, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the fact that Sal- Sally is not important to Leatherface. So maybe, yeah, maybe they didn't tackle it here because it would have been a retread. I think it makes Laurie look stupider. I think she she genuinely looks like a stupid character because she, she does look like a narcissist. She looks like a complete fool. She's just falling around all over the place going, oh, my God, it's Michael Myers is here for me. It's like, well, he's not. And and it's just like every scenario she makes about herself, because there's no real connection there because of that 40 year time leap for, from the first one to 2018. And it, and it, and it, and it that, that's why I think the brother sister thing does hold more water in a way. I think that does hold some sort of kinship. It's like, oh, yeah, my brother was Michael Myers. Because the thing is, immediately, like in this film, she was getting judged as, oh, yeah, he's your boogeyman. But only because she made him. A boogeyman in the like halloween 2 she wasn't going to escape that that was that was a bloodline there was a link always like michael myers is my brother and he wants to kill me and in this they had to kind of have two films the bridge that simple sentence that simple sentence can go on forever so, you know like uh, luke skywalker and darth vader like father and son and like in people's minds there's a kind there's always going to be a, a drama and a connection there but without that they had to kind of have Halloween kills exist where he kills 50,000 people in one movie to justify the fact he is the boogeyman there because they erased all the other films they erased all their history they, they erased the other films so they had to make the legacy of Michael Myers in like one two-hour film in the middle yeah. of a trilogy right and, and they and they and then thus you know you have to ramp up the kill count and everything and yeah it hmm. turns them into an almost like a a slaughter fest um hmm. Yeah, and and the the connection of the Lori and Michael bloodline thing. Um, I know David, you you've listened to the Carpenter Factor, and we reviewed yeah. uh, Halloween two on there, guys and gals. If you have not checked it out, uh, go check out the Carpenter Factor on our Patreon page. Uh, Zach and I are going through every single John Carpenter movie in order uh, through his filmography, but we inserted Halloween two because of his he has he I mean, he actually shot some scenes for it and stuff, so we figured it was a good time to do it. But revisiting Halloween 2, and at the same time, around the same time, I, I had to watch Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 to, for um, Return, Revenge, Resurrection, a guest spot I was doing on that podcast. So I was really kind of digging into the Laurie Strode-Michael Myers connection and them being, you know, bloodline and everything, blood-related. And I found myself actually liking it when it's only two movies and then there's no four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, you know, there's no more of that. But when it's just two movies, and even more so, uh, you know, just watching Halloween one, two, and then Halloween three, season of the witch, it's such a beautiful natural progression to that movie, uh, that people are like, uh, it 
doesn't actually quite feel out of place as, as some people think it does. But back to the Laurie Strode thing, I think that the bloodline works when it's in a small dosage and there's no more after the second movie, you know what I mean? And then in here, it gave us a, uh, gave us the example, it gave us the visualization of what it's like to not have the the connection. And I think John Carpenter, as much as he, and Deborah Hill, as much as they didn't like that idea, I think it is the better idea of the two of having Michael and Laurie related. I think it is. I think that night when John Carpenter sat at the typewriter with a couple of six packs and 50,000 cigarettes going, what the, what yeah. the hell am I going to write with his smoker's voice? I think, I think he might have inadvertently hit gold when he thought he was producing garbage. Yeah. I think, I think the connection that he made, it, it, I mean, he went in all the way for it. He went back and he reshot scenes for the TV version of Halloween, didn't he? That connected it up. They were brother and sister. Yeah. Um, I, he went in both feet with this idea. And I mean, you look at the other sequels, even though we, we you know, we, we're not really talking about those, but you look at four and five, that bloodline, when you go to Daniel Harris, it, it does make sense in the series. And I remember seeing four. I remember when four came out, because my sister used to watch a lot of horror films and, and she was saying, well, how can it be? How can it be? Uh, Halloween is no Jamie Lee Curtis in it. How can it be a Halloween film? And I remember watching Halloween four and there's that shot at the beginning when he's in the back of the ambulance. And uh, the doctors are talking and the, they say, oh, has he got any living relatives? Oh, no one that can be his ward. He's got like a, a nine year old niece in Haddonfield. And it just cuts to a shot of Michael's hand and it just balls up into a fist. And just that shot. And my sister went, oh, and then it was like it all made sense. Oh, he's got a niece. He's going to go. for. And, and there's that connection, that drama, like that fact that that bloodline again. And then. That did connect with audiences. I think people completely accepted he was going to go after Danielle Harris as a little girl. Um, I think it. I think for that for that one, I mean, Halloween Five does drop off of that idea a lot, uh, and as you go on to six, it's just completely gone. But I think people like that that kind of connection between characters in some weird way. It it, it means something in people's minds to have that. No, they they do because I mean, dude. Think about it. David Gordon Green and all the, his team and everything, writing partners and stuff, and Danny McBride and everything. You know that they grew up just like us, just talking about it. Like, oh, man, the Laurie Strode thing, that's dumb. I would have done it this way. I would have done it that way. And now we actually see their theory put to, to, to the test. And I think it just goes to show that sometimes, even if it doesn't make logical sense, I would rather err on the side of just making something a more interesting story. Yeah, I know. I I, I feel exactly. A more interesting story that actually works logically. And I think that's the problem with the David Gordon Green stuff. I think there's huge leaps in logic through the, through that story. And, and I mean, bizarre leaps in logic. Bizarre did like like just for example like here's a visual example of what I think you're talking about in Halloween Kills when he fights all the the firefighters one at a time this isn't a fucking fighting game everyone gang up on him fucking tackle his ass but we spoke about this on the Halloween Kills um review and and I can remember talking to, I remember me and Zach going at it and we was talking about the the blocking of that scene and how like all the elements in that scene are there to make it a good scene. The firefighters, the house is burning, he comes walking out. On, on paper, block, you're like, this is going to be fucking amazing. The blocking and the way it's executed it is absolutely bizarre in that film. Because in the film, he walks up, 
up the stairs and he stands on the porch and he's got that pole in his hand or something. And then every firefighter looks at him and one of them pulls out a circular saw and starts it up. People start pulling, pick, picking up axes. No one knows who the fuck this guy is. He's just come walking out of a burning building with a mask on and everyone goes to attack him. And that doesn't make sense. Like, but, that, but no, no one knows every... who Michael Myers is. They don't know the fuck of this guy. He could be just be some guy. It's his house who just burned down. He steps out and they're like, fucking kill him. And it's like, why are you doing this? Like, if you want to do it properly, but here's how you do it. He had two firemen in there, in that house. And he, one of them he killed downstairs and the other one he pulled down the hole. And then he gets out. You want that fireman to radio through. So all the firemen yeah. are outside and the ra- he fires through and he goes guy in the mask killed jack he's government something and yeah. they all hear this on their radios and and they look up the guy in the mask is at the door immediate there's immediately there's logical suspense oh, 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 and they oh, watch the guy this? walk down and they're going hey buddy stop it and he starts attacking them they don't attack him first he has to attack them or even easier dude have the have one of the firefighters walking out like on burning and stuff like that and then just falls to his knees falls forward with the, the pole Beautiful. out of his back yeah. and then Michael Myers and Michael pulls, pulls the pole it out, out yeah. and then and then boom and then it's ready to go but then the problem still lies don't fucking fight them one at a time fucking fight them all at once so no matter what it's still a fucking t- all right all right so let's jump into Halloween ends because <laughs> like because it gets it gets worse and I think that this is I think that firefighter scene is an example of their downward progression like it, like that, you said, the that, setup is great but the execution is terrible and now we're in Halloween ends where I truly understand what they were trying to do with this movie. They they mm-hmm. they're saying like you know the evil can spread on. He infected the town. We we can keep it going. We can keep this going by having people get infected by this evil. But and, and just like the firefighter scene in Kills, I think it works on paper. It's exciting. It's interesting. You're like yes, ready to go. But in Halloween ends when we don't see Michael Myers until the 45 minute mark. I still think that someone in the script writing process should have been like, okay, guys, let's let's hold, let's revisit this fucking idea here because if we're not seeing the person we want to see for like almost an hour into an hour and fifty minute movie, dude, that is so disappointing. Imagine, I mean, you go into that opening of this film and you are completely out of any story set up in the previous ones. And I can't believe anyone actually went for that, especially the way the last Halloween kills ends. That last shot where he's killed the daughter. Um, I can't think of what was her name, the daughter in the Halloween but, kills. Yeah, Judy Greer. Judy, Judy Greer, yeah. yeah. Karen. It was Karen. It was Karen. Karen. She's a Karen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's a Karen, yeah, yeah. Um, he killed Karen upstairs and it ends on that. In my mind, like the writer in me, like what I'm thinking is, okay, they're going to open up. It, ideally, I think this was a good, a good way to open it up. You open it up, because the daughter's downstairs sitting on the steps. And I think th- there's people around there. That they don't know she's gone upstairs or whatever else. I think you see all the drama downstairs. The daughter's down there crying. Someone turns up and they said, oh, Michael slaughtered all these people uh, out on the street or whatever else. And like, oh, my God, Jesus. And as they're standing there talking, all of a sudden you just see drips of blood drip, 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 dripping on the characters. And they're like, oh, what, what the hell's going on? What is this? Like, where, where's this coming from? The daughter goes running upstairs, just cut the slow motion. She goes running upstairs, looks down the end of the hall. There's the mum just massacred, laying there, blood dripping through the floorboards. She's covered in her mum's blood. Yeah. Just cut with her screaming, just to just have like a dolly into her face, screaming in slow motion. Her mum's dead. Acknowledge what happened in the last film. 
just that tiny bit. And you can say after that, because you've seen it, Michael Myers isn't there. Michael Myers disappeared that night. But you know, you you at least recognise that 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 daughter, that the, the Karen character, meant something. In this, yeah. it's just like she's. she's she, what, what, she, what the fuck is she? Who is she? she no, it oh her. Oh, matter. she's gone. Don't worry about her. She's yeah. She's fucking dead. Don't worry it's, about her. And not to mention like the the granddaughter. I forgot her name. Um, because she's almost so unimportant Allison, in this. Allison. Allison. Yeah, Allison. Yeah, Allison. Yeah, yeah. Dude, her the the like what she has to do from 2018 to this this movie is such a downward spiral of like anything of any worth. Like her character becomes damn near worthless by the end of this film. And yeah, there's no emotional impact. For me, on anything, and and the biggest, I think one of the biggest offenses is that it just had this movie feels like it has no connection to Halloween Kills whatsoever, and and you know so so like we said, you know Karen gets killed at the end, and then there's a time jump. So Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills take place in the same night, even though they were kind of a couple years apart, you know. So kind of makes Halloween Kills a period piece, you know. And uh, <laughs> but they do a time jump and they bring things basically to current 2022. And by doing that, you would think that it would you'd be able to put people in in new and interesting positions, but you don't. And so we know we already talked about Lori Stroh. She's boring. Allison is I don't even know what her point is for this movie to be a bridge. But I guess between Corey Cunningham and Lori Strode, because um, the movie is trying to say that they're fighting for the soul of Allison. But that doesn't work. That barely comes through. And you have. Almost two movies here, one with with Michael Myers being down in the sewers, regaining his strength, but not. And then the the rise of Corey Cunningham. And I will say I very much enjoyed Corey Cunningham, like the actor. I enjoyed what they were trying to do with it. It just both storylines just leave me like like just feel hollow inside. We're not going to let's let's save the team up for, for its own discussion. So for right now, and I'll just say, I love the, the opening of this movie. I very much enjoyed the opening of this movie. I fucking jumped up and yelled when the little kid died at the beginning. thought that was fucking awesome. <laughs> From that moment after, I sat blankly staring at the screen, feeling nothing for anyone and feeling nothing for any kill, except for the stepdad. I love the stepdad. I hope you find love, Corey. But, David... Thoughts on the beginning? Thoughts on the Corey Cunningham story arc and how and what they want us to to experience with Corey? Right, that beginning, I completely agree. I think it's a good opening. I like the opening. It's interesting. It's going somewhere different. But also, you feel... Because you think it's going to be Michael. He's creeping around the house. You think, okay, Michael's back. He's creeping around there. It's something different for a Halloween film. But I think the problem with that beginning and you just said this then is you cheered when that kid died and i cheered when that kid died i sat there in the cinema and turned around to, to my girlfriend and just said he fucking deserved it yeah yeah but the thing is i think that is is the fundamental problem of that um of that scene like you should have cared about that kid dying because it would have felt more tragic for for Corey as a character because if if that if you say Corey went to babysit, because Corey is the constant babysitter of the kid. This isn't just a one-off thing. And I've read the novelization to this, and there's things that are kind of filled in, but we can I'll, I'll talk about that later on. But Corey needs to be that kid's constant babysitter, and they get on really well. They're 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 pals. They're 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 having fun. Not the kid's a complete fucking asshole. 
and the kid's even worse in the novelization. The kid's turning around going, I fucking hate you because you're poor. And then he says, what? Okay, right, wonderful. But in the film, what you get is that kid being a complete arsehole. Now, if the kid was a nice kid and they got on, and the kid and he says and the kid says something to Corey about you're just he goes up oh, maybe Michael Myers is going to come and he sees Corey's uncomfortable talking about Michael Myers and 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 Corey says yeah I, I don't do any of that trick or treat stuff and then the kid can kind of get a little smile on his face I'm going to play a trick on Corey my pal Corey my best friend Corey my good old buddy Corey and then if the kid does that and locks him in and Corey starts freaking out and kills the kid and we like the kid wouldn't that feel more devastating? Like, oh, fuck, he's just killed that kid. That that kid was a nice kid. If the kid's a bag of shit, it's like, oh, just fuck it. It's just another annoying person out of the world, out of the system. Well, and that's, that is a, and I completely agree with everything you said. And, and, and I think it's a bigger problem with this film in that I felt the complete opposite of the way I think the, the the intention was by the director and the writers for you to feel feel for each kill. So for the first one, the kid, I cheered like you, like everybody else. I don't think we're supposed to. Um, and then for every other person, like I didn't care about any of the kills, no matter how cool they were, because I had no emotional investment in anybody other than the stepdad. The stepdad, yeah, but he because yeah. he was a nice guy. Because he was best, a nice guy. Best character in the movie. Best character. In the, yeah. Fucking love the stepdad, and I loved that. That you know, just I love that he loved Corey, and I thought that was a really fucking cool thing. And I, th- I thought, and it's the only time I felt something was when he died. But like I'm watching this, and and even the kill with you know the DJ, and and it's you know it was like this is our this is our centerpiece kill with his jaw and everything. I'm like I don't care, he's an asshole. And then you know he gets his tongue cut off, and I'm like I just, I'm just like. Really? Like nothing about this is is entertaining or or enjoyable. And I think that's the biggest problem this movie has is it makes every fucking antagonist a piece of shit. And you're like, okay, but it's because the town is bad. But it just creates this world where you're just like, okay, kill them all then. Just fucking kill them all. Burn the town down. Fine. It kind of makes it into Rob Zombie town. Because everyone in Rob Zombie films like, hey, you fucking asshole, piece yeah. of shit, dick. And, and that's how I felt about the DJ. I felt the DJ was like Rob Zombie light. I, yeah. I felt like he was just someone who, he, he was one of the less awful people that wandered in from a Rob Zombie film. And I think we've established like that one of the fundamental problems with the film. And, it, and it's, it's, you know, funnily enough, if you have characters that you care about, you care about them. Yeah, you, you you care about them, you know. If you, you have someone likable and you can like them, you care about them. And there's not many characters in this you can say that about. No, and I I didn't care about Allison. I didn't I didn't understand what she sort of saw immediately in Corey. Um, I didn't care about Laurie Strode's arc. I mean, that, these are the emotional centerpieces that we're supposed to care about. And thus, because of it, I didn't care about the final fight between Michael Myers. But I will say again. Just so this is not a constant shit fest. I did very much like Corey. I did enjoy his character. I just wished he, here's my proposed. And I think you might it might be amalgamation of something you proposed, but it's like make the opening scene, keep it exactly the way it is. But let's not see Corey ever again for the rest of the movie and have this completely wrap up Michael Myers and everything. And then then you can bring 
Corey in afterwards as a way of pushing it forward. It doesn't the Corey storyline to me does not work here with Michael Myers also existing and inhabiting the same plane of existence that he does. How about this then? I think you've just uh, hit the nail on the head. If you had that scene with the kid going over the railings, a truncated version of that scene in Halloween Kills. Yeah. Where yeah. He, he's babysitting. We could have just had yeah. it as a devastating moment in Halloween Kills. That night when everything's going crazy, he's babysitting. He turns on the TV. Michael Myers is everyone. He's like, oh, shit. And the kid doesn't take it seriously. He's like, are you scared, Corey? And yeah. it's just, oh, no, 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 no. And he goes upstairs. And you think Myers is in the house. He opens the door and kills the kid that night. Yeah. Imagine if you had that in Halloween Kills, then you've set that up and he's completely devastated. And and you'd feel you would feel bad for him. Like there's this guy, you know, he's babysitting, freaked out about Michael Myers. and He's end up killing this kid. If you have it on that night, just and you could have done it. You could have like when they had the whole big John, little John thing, they 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 uh, they intercut it, didn't they? It wasn't like one block of their story. There was it, it kind of worked all the way through the film, like in the first half of it, like bits and pieces. You could have done that with the Corey story. And you could yeah. have had a bit where you see him going around there to babysit. You could see like Halloween, Halloween too, when you've seen all the people turn up the different stories of people going to the hospital. And you could do that with this. You could have him going to babysit somewhere. You could have the big John, little John thing, the trick or treat. Yeah. And, and you, you, you can cut out, you can cut out half of the evil dies tonight. We don't need yeah. them, you know, the whole evil dies tonight. And then they kill the wrong guy at the beginning. Have it, this just, instead of the guy that falls out the window. Yeah, have it, this instead of the guy that the, the 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 mental patient who they yeah. they try and attack. Yeah. This would have been more interesting in that thing, the fear of Michael Myers, and, what and, he does to it, the town. That shows think, it in that scene with Corey. And I think that was something you brought up uh, when we were talking offline. You know that that it's cool because the opening kill is sort of attributed to Michael Myers, even though it 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 was Corey Cunningham doing it. It's almost attributed to Michael Myers because of the fear. So it still works in that regard. And again, I get what the filmmakers were trying to say with this movie, but David, when you see Michael Myers at like the 48 minute mark, and he's pathetic. I mean, what like what were you thinking? And and then moving forward, how easily you know? I don't even know where to begin, man. So him killing people brings him back to life, and I was just waiting for Evanescence to start playing when he started standing up. You know what I mean? Because um, it's that cheesy and that fucking terrible. But like, what am I supposed to take from all this, man? With with the Corey and Michael Myers thing. Right again. As I said about the fireman scene in Halloween Kills, I think with this, there was a certain way you could have directed, blocked, worked out this scene where it could have been feasible. Like he's been down there and he needs, basically he needs Corey. Like he sees something in Corey. Uh, If you look at the scene where you see the eyeball up close, you don't see anything from Michael Myers' perspective. It's very much Michael is seeing something in him because you see everything that's happened to Corey. You don't see any Michael Myers stuff. It's not like Michael Myers is transferring himself into Corey. Right. But there is a link that's made. Like, he 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 has given him something. There is there, Something's been exchanged somehow. Or Michael's put something in Corey, but he's taken it. He's seen what Corey is. Uh, 
and seeing Michael Myers rolling around, just just like, like that. The thing that was going that right, the, the, my first thing that went from my mind when I saw him there is that uh, he's just. I, I I just thought, oh, he's just a just a big old bag of shit. He's just a big old bag of garbage now. Like oh, Halloween kills, he's standing there in the window. He wanted to look out the window. He killed half the town. Michael Myers was the man in that film. In this one. Oh no, he's just sitting down in a sewer somewhere, just rolling around, and he's in shit and piss, and just falling about. Can't even stand up. Um, I, I just, could, I'll be honest, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And the introduction to Michael in that scene, where he just, Corey just turns around, and you just see Maya's face looking through the crack in the wall. I, and that point, I was like, oh, there's no introduction to him as a character. He's just there. He just sees. He's just there looking through a crack in the wall. I, and I just think. You know, if I if I was doing this, he would have gone down in that sewer and one or two ways you do it. He walks down the sewer and you got a lot of backlight coming through grates and you can just see a figure just standing there in the sewer. Like, who the hell is that? And as he walks around one of those pillars there, Michael's just there and grabs him up close. But there's something more impactful when you see that first shot of Michael. Just imagine this is another scenario with how Michael could have been introduced if. If Corey would have gone down into that sewer and, cr- and crawled along and just saw a body laying there, you can't see the head. You can just see someone laying. He's crawling through it and he crawls a bit closer. He's on his hands and knees. And all of a sudden you get the Michael Myers 90 degree sit up. And he just sits up and it's Michael sitting there and he's like, oh, shit. And Corey tries to get up and escape. And Michael just grabs just something with a bit more impact when you first just the very first time you see Michael because there's no sting there's no music there's no fanfare there's nothing he's just his face stuck in between that rock and I was like oh he's 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 just there he's and, just there like imagine the thing, seeing Darth Vader in, in Star Wars and you don't get the Imperial March like the dan dan yeah. imagine like you, the, the ship lands and Darth Vader just gets off and all you can hear is his footsteps walking through the Death Star oh okay no, no fanfare there no he's he's What's he worth? What's he worth in this story? Nothing. And and I get it. They're like, you know, he has to he can't be able to just get, I guess, get a hold of Corey because then he's just going to kill Corey. So we have yeah, to yeah, kind yeah. of put him behind um, something. Right. Sort of impede him. Right. And I'm like, OK, I, I can get that. But then what you're showing me, he still grabs Corey and I'm guarantee yeah. you Michael Myers could just kill him. You know what I mean? Right then and there with his one good arm. Um, so sure. I, I And then you're left with, yeah, this unimpactful moment. And then to the point where Corey goes back in and does this dance with him with like, you know, leads a cop or whatever in there to get killed. And then he kills the cop and then he gains his power. We'll talk about that in a second. But I never felt a sense of fear or that Corey was a, a sense of danger for Corey around Michael Myers to the point where in a little bit, you know, after this encounter and then their team up, he's going to beat Michael Myers up and take his mask. So well, let's just sort of do things one at a time. First thing, the killing of the cop. What is your thoughts on it rejuvenating, giving him power to like, killing people gives him power? I mean, this is I mean, this movie is now supernatural. Like Michael Myers is now supernatural. And I think he was clearly supernatural before he did survive the fire. I think once he walks out of the fire in 2018, he's supernatural in David Gordon Green's mind. You know what I mean? Um, but this movie, there's no fucking, you know, uh, as soon as he walks out of the fire again, like, kills, you know. But in this movie. It's just there's no ifs, ands, or buts. He's getting the power. He's getting his power back from killing. So this is sort of a new thing, but not a new thing to to add like a supernatural element to him. But getting charged up from killing—that's kind of a new thing, right? 
I think one of the problems with the whole thing is we've always known that thing about you don't want to be too specific with Michael Myers. It's that air of mystery. Do you know what I mean? We've we've kind of established that when they did like the Thorn thing in Halloween Six, when they were explaining he comes out on this night because of the moon and the stars and the sun and the druids and and the Thorn symbol. Uh, and, and he gets to kill certain and you're getting too specific and it does take away from what Michael Myers is. But with this, I think they felt like they wanted their cake and eat it because they were they they wanted the mystery. But they were putting themselves into positions where they having to be specific about things. And when they had to give some sort of answer to, to why this is happening, they don't give any kind of indication or answer where everything's just left open. Like, I don't know why these things, I don't know why he's charging up, I don't know. In Halloween Kills, Laurie had information, like she'd read the, the, the like the Halloween End script. She was saying lines. I remember the line that really stuck with me was, Michael's killing, and now he's transcending. Okay, into what? What was he transcending? How do you know this? How does she know? This was literally someone she spent 10 minutes with on Halloween night in 1979, and he killed two of her friends, which she wasn't there to witness. And he tried to stab her in her house, and then Dr. Loomis shot him out the window. And she's talking about him. This is what Michael does. He transcends. He Into what? In my mind, in that film, she was going to... Why they didn't do this, it makes complete sense. He say he's transcending into the boogeyman. Perfect. That wraps yeah. it up. It's, it's perfect. It makes complete sense. But in this, they've kind of just taken the idea, without giving anything specific... And I mean, that's still very vague. He's transcending into the boogeyman, but it means something. You say that to someone and it, in, in the context of this franchise, it means something. But to say he's transcending, you know, transcending to where, how, what. And then it just goes to this next one where he's absorbing people's power from killing. Is this the transcending? Is this what is this is why he killed so many people in ends? Is he transcending he... to be fully charged? Is but how do you know this? Did Laurie Strode? Like, did he tell you? Oh no, he doesn't talk. So how do you know this? And if that is his ability, then he should be nigh invulnerable. You know what I mean? Like after he should be able to just go kills. forever. Yeah, after Halloween kills, he should have you know not fully charged. Like, like he's one hundred percent Duracell bunny. He's right. Yeah. He's charged and ready to go. Yeah. But it, it, it's it's I kind of get what they're saying. Um, but how it's put across, it, yeah. it's it, it's just not put across in a way that's you just need something that's a bit more clearer. So you completely understand what's going on. I mean, we're putting stuff together visually from what we've seen. We saw him kill the cop and we saw him shake him. We saw him tense up and he loved it. He was, this is it. It's all coming back to him now. He's getting power again to be the Michael Myers that we know. Uh, and we've pieced that together. So visually, it, it does work. But when you hear, but it's so confusing because, like, what you're saying, like, you're saying when he comes out of the uh, out of the uh, the fire, he's supernatural. That was the first scene in Halloween Kills. It was one of the first scenes in Halloween Kills. But when David Gordon Green went on Joe Bob and when he was promoting it, people were saying to him, "Is he supernatural?" And he said, "Oh no, no, he's 100% human. He's human in this film." And it just it's. You watch the film and it's like, well, he can't be... This person is not human. This shape is not human. This isn't a human shape. This is a supernatural shape. So I think you're going into these things with connotations that have been just seeds that have been planted in your mind. This is what this is. And you go in and you see this. And it just leaves you absolutely bewildered. Like, what? what is this? Like, why? Yeah. Why? 
Why is this happening? Speaking of bewildered and why is this happening, the Corey Cunningham, Michael Myers team up is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. And I, and, and, and I'm not just saying that like as a blanket statement, it's because it culminates in nothing. It, it doesn't culminate in any kind of true friendship for them. It doesn't culminate in Corey like learning something. I mean, I guess he does, but like ultimately he, he, he beats up Michael Myers and takes his mask because he's like that. This is what I need to like sort of move forward. But then Michael Myers comes back and just takes it back from him after he's already been stabbed. So like Michael Myers almost gets neutered twice by Corey Cunningham. He gets neutered by the fact that he doesn't, uh, uh, he allows him to get beaten up and take his mask. And then Michael Myers straight up needed to kill Corey Cunningham, not Corey Cunningham killing himself. And then Michael Myers just kind of, you know, the last 1%. I mean, dude's dead. The dude's dead. It's, it's not, he's not surviving it. So if you take out the team up, the one scene team up, my God. So, you know, Corey Cunningham kills this doctor and this nurse. Um, the the actually, sadly, the my favorite part of the entire movie was when the nurse walks outside for the first time, and you can see in the background Corey and the doctor are fighting in the shadows, but you can't hear it. There's you can barely see it, and it, that to me that was perfect. And then she turned on the light, and then it's you know it's there. I'm like, all of that was perfect, and then they ruin it. By the fact that, like, Corey Cunningham can't get through the door, she locks herself in the house, and then Michael Myers is there, he kills her, Corey watches it, and we're like, okay, great, okay, I get it. And first off, my, my wife and I are like, this is this is madness. They're, they're partners now. And, <laughs> yeah. then the, and then the coup de grace, the, the insult to injury, was the very next scene. It cuts to Corey Cunningham driving on a motorcycle, I think, with Allison yep. on his back. But it's a, it's like a faraway shot. So it just looks like two people on a motorcycle. My wife and, and everyone that I've ever heard of. I mean, she as it was happening, My- Myra goes, that's Michael Myers riding on the back holding Corey Cunningham. And I just, I lost it. I lost my shit. And that sums up everything wrong with this movie. M- Myra and I were actively talking and making fun of it as we're watching it. At one point, it's like an hour and 10 minutes in. She looks at me. She goes, I fucking hate this movie. And I was like, I know, and I ha- but I have to finish it. Um, so the team-up thing, if you extracted just that team up right there, you'd lose the coolest visual of the, of the entire movie. But if you just extracted that team up, I think it would work a little bit better because you would have him beating up Michael Myers and taking his mask and then Michael Myers coming back at the end. This team up confuse, confuses and enrages me. What are your thoughts on them being a fucking, oh my God, just the worst team up in history? I think if there was some kind of visual through line that, again, something that was clear and made you understand what the hell was going on. So Michael's transferring evil into him to do these killings. And Corey, Corey, like when you get that shot of him stabbing the doctor, you're like, oh, okay. Like it it kind of jumps you into action. Okay, right. Here we go. But then he's just a stumbling buffoon, stumbling up to the door, stumbling, trying to get through it. Let's just say she backed in there, shuts the door, and he just walked like Michael Myers up to the door and watched and just stood there like a shadow in the background, just having him in silhouette, just standing there watching. Then Michael comes in and then kills, stabs the girl, pins her to the wall, does the look over to him, and you just see, just see, just, just gently, just see 
his eyes just shimmer in the darkness, just watching Michael do it. Michael acknowledges no, no real acknowledgement. Just they look at each other. Then he goes back to kill him, that that killed the girl and pin her to the wall. That would have made sense. He's acting more like Michael, but he's that would make sense in the fact that he's becoming Michael. But when he's just falling around everywhere like a fucking complete goomba, you just like, okay. Well, well, what, what? It's, it looks like a team up. It's not a transition. Like his transitioning into Michael, it's a team up, and it's a bad team up. Like it, Michael Myers, for some reason, has taken a twenty-year-old kid under his wing to to, to, to kill people now. Oh, okay, and it didn't help that you had that next shot of the motorcycle driving by because I thought the exact same thing. It's like Everyone okay. Everyone thought, oh yeah, they're on the back. They're just he's just driving Michael because Michael was just useless old bag of shit and can't walk or do anything anymore. So it's just driving him around to kill people. Okay, the, dude. The the editor should have been like, uh, guys, I think we we need to start with a close up of of Allison and Corey, not with a long shot. You know, with this transition, the editor should have done something there. I I think this whole trilogy, the the, I don't know what was shot, what was in the final draft, and what was uh in the final script for shooting and what's just been added to the novelizations. Cause I've read every novelization to these things. And there seems to be a lot of common sense things. They're getting cut out of all three of these films just for timing, just to speed it up because right. Okay. Just, just answer me this year in the first film in t- Halloween, 2018, the two people go to interview Laurie at the beginning. Yeah. What mm-hmm. are those two people? What do they do? What do they do? They're podcasters. That's incorrect. Oh, they're they're that is inc- they're actually they have a crime radio show, and when they go around to interview people, their ruse is to tell them, "Oh, we're just podcasters here to do a podcast," because they don't want to pay for the interviews. Uh-huh. So they try and get it cheap. But when you watch the film, mm-hmm. they don't introduce who they are. You don't get this backstory about they're doing a, a, a radio crime drama. Uh, they have a radio crime series. You just get them, go up to the thing and go, hi, we're podcasters. So everyone takes it as the podcasters, but, they, but they're not actually podcasters. They, they, so, they have a radio show. Do, so you learn that in the novelization? In the novelization. And I don't know whether that was in the script. I don't know if that was in the final script or not. And, but and that makes them bizarre things. Yeah. And that makes them more interesting. That makes that makes their motivation more interesting and everything. Um, I, I, I like that. And I appreciate that you uh, you've done the Lord's work and, and read all three of them for us. Um, but so so now, Corey, he he you know, he watches Michael, you know, so I guess he's like, clearly, Michael has befriended me now, but now I'm going to go beat this man up, you know what I mean? And take his mask. And so Michael has already killed and he's gotten a little bit of his power back, but not enough to take on a fucking 21 year old kid. Okay. 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 Fine. I'll, I'll eat that one. I'll eat crow there because he's a younger kid. and, And at this point, Michael Myers is really technically really fucking old. Okay, great. I'll take it. But but then why was the movie trying to build up this this friendship when it's just going to be ruined in like 10 minutes later when Corey beats him up up to take his mask? And again, again, I get the motivation. I get what they're like. We need to get Corey to become the shape. That's what we're trying to do here. That's what this movie's about. And so then we have Corey as the shape, 
Now, fighting and killing these these uh, people, bullies, these band member bullies, um, and oh, everything. Should we, should, we, should we talk about the band member? <laughs> so, so let's talk about it real quick. I know that you don't like it. And I'll just say I actually love the fact that they weren't the the your traditional bullies. I actually like the fact that they were band member bullies. Kind of makes Corey even more pathetic, but it also kind of makes band members a little bit cooler these days. But then that kind of also makes Michael even more pathetic. Cause well, like, I mean, no, everything the, about this movie tra- makes Michael pathetic. <laughs> yeah, so there's nothing on, we can the, do about that. On the chain of things, it's like band geeks can beat up Corey. So Corey is lower than band geeks. <laughs> no, shit rolls downhill. Shit rolls fucking downhill, bro. So that means that the band geeks can, by what the transitive properties, the band geeks can thus beat up Michael Myers. Michael Myers, yeah. The band geeks can beat up Michael Myers, yeah. And, and that's exactly what I had in my mind. Because I was watching it, and I was like, uh, I mean, that guy, the main guy, the main good, the main bully. Like, I don't. Haddonfield's supposed to be in where, where Chicago, isn't it? That's where it's kind of is Illinois. It's, it's is Ill- it, is yeah, it? I think it's Illinois or yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm English, so when it comes to regional dia- dialects, it's kind of like, oh, you you sound like an American. But even yeah. I. When that kid got out of the car and he's like, hey, yo, bro, yeah. you want to go buy me some brewskis, bro? So hang on a minute. <laughs> he's not from Haddonfield. Where does he come from? Um, that, that one threw me out completely for a second. I was like, okay, I kind of get why they got him to do it. I understand it. But then Corey's mom, Corey's mom as well. She's got that, hey, Corey, oh, come and yeah. give your mother a kiss. And it's like, well, hang on, where the fuck is Haddonfield? <laughs> where, where are we right now? I don't, I don't understand what's happening. Um, yeah, and and yeah, and and then on top of it, like we said, like all the the band members are pieces of shit, except for the girl. Like one girl yeah, is yeah. not quite as a piece of shit and everything, and then she gets the worst death. So like, I'm like, I don't understand what this movie is trying to tell us. I don't know what the, what it is trying to tell us. But, I don't you know, know what, what I mean? the message is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Normally, there's some that there's, there's cinema language, isn't there? There's yeah. some sort of language. This thing is trying to. Get, I mean, look at Carrie. Just say Carrie. Brian De Palma's Carrie. Yeah. You know where all the characters are all the time in that film. And you don't think this is a complete departure from you know, from one scene to the other. They don't act like different characters from one scene to the other. There's, there's Like I said, I've, I've said this so many times during this podcast, but there's a through line of you know who Carrie is, you know what she becomes, and you know what she does. And it all makes sense. Yeah. And then that scene where Corey's walking along with Alison. And he turns around to her after he's killed the tramp outside the tunnel who wanted, I'm fucking Michael Myers, the yeah. guy that wanted his mask. He kills him and he goes to Alison and he, he looks at Alison and says, I've killed someone. And she just walks up to him, holds his hand and hugs him. Yeah, she does. And you're even thinking, means but nothing. as cinema language, as cinema language, we are going on what we've seen and what we understand. And we literally just saw him kill the tramp and we see him say to her, I've killed someone and she accepts it. So in your mind, you think she's completely accepted that he's killed a tramp because that's how your mind works. That's how yeah, you're piecing this thing together. But if, if they'd have just done it and and it means more, again, emotionally, like the kid at the beginning, if he would have gone, turned around to her and said, I've killed someone. And she walks up to him and puts her arm around him and says, oh, no, it was an accident. You didn't kill someone. And then you just cut to Corey's face like, oh, she's talking about the kid. I was... Oh, I'm just going to go I with this. Talk- yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, I like the emotion she's giving me right now. She's she's giving me love. Okay, I'm just going. Yeah, I was talking about the kid. It's the kid, but 
I just killed someone. But yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, that that would it that means would be, something. It would be yeah. so much more interesting. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean everything you're saying. I, 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 okay, I, here's 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 something. Let me just throw this at you. Here, let me just throw this at you. We're talking about changing this thing, so trying to give logic to be illogical with this film. Would you have accepted this more? And it eliminates the awkward stealing of the mask scene because that shot through the the tunnel when they're having the vaudeville act going backwards and forwards like Balkan Skull fighting for a William Shatner mask is just fucking insane. It would eliminate that. Would you have accepted this more if during the whole film you wouldn't have known whether it was Michael or Corey killing people? And then you get to the end. You get to the end and Laurie Strode shoots him and pulls the mask off and it's Corey. Yeah. Would that have been a better film? Yes, that would have been that would have been a much better film, but more interesting. Hell, I mean, make it so that Michael Myers I wouldn't even care if Michael Myers was just fucking dead now and he just finds the mask <laughs> on his god on his goddamn corpse. Because nothing yeah. else with Michael Myers made any sense at all. And yes, I I would rather have just seen I mean, at this point, the copycat killer is a tried and true still see is a tried and true slasher trope. Um, as dude, as I get older, I enjoy Friday Thirteenth Part Five more and oh, more. Right. I think it, yeah. I think it's a fun fucking movie, especially since somebody proposed one of my friends, but maybe they read it online. Is that Roy is like he has access to um, like adrenaline and stuff, like n- needles with adrenaline in him. That's a very and, good and, point. And the yeah. fact that like yeah, maybe he's actually just doping himself up, and I'm like that's interesting. I would. I would find it so much more interesting if Corey was, you know, Mike, the shape in this movie the whole time. And then we were deconstructing and trying to sort of work backwards and figuring out how he was actually accomplishing, the, you know, this. And I wouldn't even care if it's just the mask has infected him. And and that's the supernatural thing. And I've, I've said that on multiple podcasts. It's the easiest fucking answer and no one wants to deal with it. And for some reason, just make the mask possessed somehow, you know? Well, you can say that Michael Myers was the boogeyman. And now after he's worn it and because he was transitioning while he into something while he wore this thing say so transitioned into the boogeyman while he was wearing the mask and all that power is now just absorbed into that mask there is still something in that mask and you could still be infected with that evil by wearing yes. the mask or being near that mask that makes sense that would make a lot of sense but the thing is like i, I completely agree yeah if this was a film about he found michael myers corpse and then um uh, and then just put the mask on and just took over from there. Especially um, if he became Michael Myers so completely, you wouldn't, yeah. you know, you, he could even have said like, no, Michael Myers has been dead for four years. Like at the end when it's revealed that it's Corey, it's like, no, Michael Myers has been dead for four years. But anyone who puts on this mask essentially becomes the shape. And, and thus you can keep moving forward with it, with all the powers that comes with it as well. But what we're left with is a Corey Cunningham that we so we see him as the shape in in this one kind of the climax between him and the um the the bullies and what is arguably probably the most interesting part of the movie or most fun part but it's not because we don't care about any of them but we see him become the shape fully during that scene and it it that just works. I mean, I would have made the bullies maybe a bit more likable and thus their kills, you know, more have more meaning. But what actually does work 
is is Corey becoming the shape right here? I have no problem with that whatsoever, and I have no problem that he needed the mask to fully do it. The problem that I have with this movie is that you show Michael Myers Michael Myers befriending Corey, not the other way around, and then Corey fucking does that, and then Michael Myers doesn't even get the chance to kill him in return for betraying his friendship. Again, I want to see Michael Myers' betrayal like on his face, and and that's more interesting to me as well, you know? Do you think that Universal, with their marketing, had faith in this film? Because all the the trailers, all the ads, think of the poster, and it's just Laurie Strode standing back to back with Michael Myers. Halloween ends. Halloween at nothing about any of this it other looks, shit. It looks like a Mortal Kombat fighting game poster. Or, or like, it you does. know, whenever whenever yeah. you, you select your two characters, exactly. they give you a screen where yep. they come together. It, I was like, oh, that looks like a video game. That's all it looked like to me. It looked like, yeah. you know what it looked like? It looked like the cover for the upcoming Halloween uh, to to an upcoming Halloween video game that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist, yeah. But that, I I think they needed to have this thing where Michael Myers comes back and he fights Laurie Strode for those trailers, for that poster, for the marketing, for Halloween ends to satisfy that need of seeing Laurie Strode and uh, and Michael Myers fight one last time. I think that's why it, it this really feels like a. It's almost like a film within a film. That's the film everyone wants. This is the film they wanted to make. And they've just kind of sunk this thing on the top of everything else. And and if you and if we're going with the, the logic of the David Gordon Green trilogy is that Lori is not related to Michael Myers. So then making Corey Cunningham trying to go after um, uh, the daughter, the granddaughter, that's more of a link right there then then this movie gives us between michael myers and so i would have just said no he he died you know in the sewers like he i just found his body he he's dead and i would just made Corey cunningham the the shape and then you know have it that's what i would have done and like i said the, the kills in in the when he is the shape I mean, they were they were cool, like like, you know, blowtorching the one guy's mouth, stomping the girl's head. All of that was fucking cool. But I didn't care whatsoever because this has become a revenge movie. And mm. I'm like, but I didn't sign it's up Christine. for a revenge it's movie. It's, it's become yeah. Christine with Michael and, Myers. And that's all it is. And like, how do you, you know, how do you feel about that? Because you, you've reviewed Christine and watched it really recently. So going from that. To this, did you see that the, the kind of similarities? Did you do you feel I, like a kinship I, I didn't, between them? I, I I didn't at the time. I was kind of probably more looking at the Stephen King's um, uh, Christine being allegory for uh, addiction and everything. But no, you're right. There is this possession aspect of it um, that I yeah, you're right. There is a thematic similarities there. Um, I think the problem is is that I just don't care about that movie Christine all that much. Uh, the car has always been my Christine, um, and then I just didn't care about this as, as much either. Um, but yeah, I, I do see that connection though between Keith hmm. Keith Gordon or Keith whatever his name is. Um, so again, I just want to reiterate one last time: the stepfather was the only meaningful death that that I fucking had, because and, and I love I love that dude. He was great. Yeah, the, he was a good guy. Corey's Corey Cunningham's mom sucked. Um, but let's go to the finale. So, so Corey Cunningham, he, well, first off, I want to say that when he's sleeping on the stain of the body of, of, you know, and, and Laurie Strode comes in and talks to him, Myra and I 
thought that that was a dream sequence. The way that Laurie Strode just sort of disappeared like Batman when she was done talking to him. So Myra and I, at the end of that scene, we were both like, oh, okay, so that was just a dream sequence. All right, cool. All right, that's fine. And then when she's actually addressing the things that she said to him in the finale, I looked at Myra and I was like, that, that wasn't a dream sequence. So Laurie Strode's just Batman. She can just disappear out a window without Corey Cunningham seeing or hearing her. She's pretty sprightly for a grandmother, yeah? She's right pretty she's pretty good she's pretty good she's still got it she's still got it so so then she finds herself at the house you know cory cunningham fucking kills himself because if you if if he can't have the granddaughter allison then she can't yada 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 spoiler alert spoiler alert everyone's gonna have her now and you're never gonna have her <laughs> yeah i'm gonna kill myself because i can't have her right everyone's gonna have her but you <laughs> what the it's, fuck it's, are you talking it's about fucking terrible and then michael myers comes there and Corey's like still alive, sort of. And Michael Myers like sort of finishes him off and I guess takes his mask or whatever. But I'm like, what is the movie then? Like, what was the point of the team up? So let's not let's not talk about the Lori Michael fight just yet. Let's just talk about like what this means to like the team up. And now Corey's just dead. So it's like, why then why did I care ever, you know? I could see this being something if they wanted to continue the story. Uh, they wanted to use Corey as a catalyst to be the next Michael Myers or the next shape. It says the next shape is the next boogeyman. There's no Michael Myers. There's a shape and there's a boogeyman. I could see that they did this. So it continues on like a new generation. kind. Of, like Friday the 13th, five. But why kill him? Just, yeah. What did Michael? And, like, and he was, I mean, he killed himself and then just to add insult to injury, Michael Myers stamps on his face. He's like, okay, he's done. He's finished. It's all, no, Michael Myers snapped his neck, didn't he? He snapped his neck. He broke his neck. Yeah. yeah whatever. Yeah. He killed him. Yeah, whatever. He killed him. But uh, I, I, I really don't know. It's not like, it's like a passing of the baton and then just going, oh, actually, no. And then just taking the battle. So why did I watch this then? It's completely pointless. It's completely pointless. Uh, you, yeah. You're not continuing this. It's the final one. You, you've dropped a, a new story into the final film. I think that's the problem. I yeah. think if you had that final film and or this was the first film or, you know, all there was bits of this integrating Halloween kills to set something up. But it's a new story in the third part of a trilogy. It's, it's like saying, oh, imagine, imagine a Return of the Jedi. What's Return of the Jedi about? Oh, it's about Luke Skywalker goes back to Tatooine and, uh, you know, he's, he's farming and he's got farming problems. And, oh, has he? Oh, what about the the rest of the shit that's going? You know, what about that? What about that fucking Death Star? That's pretty big. I oh, don't worry about that Death Star. That yeah, we're not worried about that now. Oh, okay. Yeah, we. It, if if you apply the rules of Halloween Ends to any other successful trilogy that really feels like three films that have come together, it, it just makes. It, it, why are you introducing a new character? Why? Why do we have this new storyline? Why do we have these new rules? Why are these things if happening? If it's not going to mean anything, you know, and then because ultimately, because ultimately, you know, then all of a sudden Michael Myers is there. Laurie Strode's ready. And, and, you know, the filmmakers like this is it. Everyone's going to start cheering. And I was just like, no, I don't even want this in this movie. Like I, I, I this I thought this story was about Corey Cunningham. And it's just like it feels like all that came before it. Just doesn't matter because right now, guys and gals, this is the part you've all been waiting for. And I'm like, but we slogged through an hour and 40 minutes, you know, and, and now you expect us to care. And this fight, I just, I mean, I guess it's okay, 
Michael but Myers I, was defeated by Fridge. He was defeated by Fridge. He, he was. He. I mean, he was. <laughs> you know. And and then like, I, I just didn't care. I think that's. I think that's what boils down to it. And then on top of it, you know, that she kills Michael Myers, and then she. Then there's this funeral procession through the city. Like, how do these people even know? Like, is is she on a Facebook group? Like, I, hey guys, I got Michael Myers. Let's let's all do this. Like, how the fuck did that even happen? And hey, then they just, what, what, what do we what do we use now to communicate with WhatsApp? So. <laughs> <laughs> She's got that WhatsApp. She's got that WhatsApp group chat. Yo, yo, Haddonfield. Michael's yo, dead. <laughs> Michael, I killed him. Yo, I killed him. Michael Myers. I'm like, how do we even know that this is the guy? Like, how does anyone even know that they didn't just, just kill some guy. random old ass motherfucker? They didn't examine the body or anything like that, but they just dumped it in. And, and, and the filmmakers are expecting you to cheer. And I'm just like, what the fuck did I watch? You know, and then the movie keeps going after that. And you're like, shut the fuck up. Just fucking shut the fuck up at this point. I've, I've never seen a film that's treated its central antagonist so badly. I've just never seen it where, especially in the final part, where they're treated so badly. And there was people that, again, going back to Star Wars and Return of the Jedi, saying, oh, they shouldn't have taken these masks off at the end. And, you know, you shouldn't have been a crusty old white man underneath and everything else is. But, but he treated him with respect. You had respect for him at the end because he turned to the, the, the good side or the light side of the force weather. And it was there was it. It. it it gave another depth to the character of Darth Vader. He wasn't just this slick black killing machine. Could be a robot. There was there was something human underneath it. There was and and Luke had that catharsis of okay, my, my dad is there was good in my dad. You had that, but with this film, Michael Myers starts off like a useless bag of shit, and he ends and even was even more of a useless bag of shit. And then like he got defeated by a fridge. She, Allison breaks his arm. They stab him to a counter, and they just slit his throat and just let him bleed out. I just think of Halloween H two O. Think of the ending of Halloween H two O. How I remember being in the cinema and everyone going, "Yeah!" Well, at the yeah. end, when she when she gets that axe, yeah, boom, head comes off. Everyone just erupted in the yeah. cinema, and then you boom, you hit that John Carpenter music. Ding, did, 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 did. That was that was it. That was the end of Michael Myers. That was how you do it. But he's fucking dead. She killed him. She did and, a and then they job. ruined it with Resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> Which might not be the worst Halloween film ever. <laughs> that, that that might have just gone up a notch. Buster Rhymes, you've done it, pal. You've done it. But like like I don't think and, and let's let's not, you know, mince words here. You know they were telling us at the beginning of this movie with the font and everything, they were like, oh. This is our season of the witch, you know, this is our weird one. Guys and gals, get ready for a weird ride. But I don't think 40 years from now, we're going to look back on no. Halloween ends with the same reverence that we look back on with season of the witch. And I think, I just think they missed the point on a lot of things with this movie. It does get some stuff right. And I, I would like to, you know, start segueing into like our final thoughts and everything. Mm. I do like some aspects of it. I like concepts. I like uh, themes that they're trying to do. It just felt like two movies mashed together into one. It felt like a lot of disparate ideas put together into one. And I think if it just stayed focused on Corey Cunningham as a, as a, you know, a shape light who is turning into a shape proper, 
I would have been much more invested in that, but I'm sitting here back and forth. Like, should I be invested in Michael Myers? No, nope, he's a piece of shit. He's worthless. Okay. Should I be invested <laughs> in Corey Cunningham? No, he's, he, he's not, you know, it's like, I'm not really buying his character. I want more from it, you know? Mm. And then at the end of the day, I'm left with something where I'm invested in nothing. And I've never felt more hollow walking away from a, from a movie than Halloween ends. There's a series of, Friday the 13th YA books from the late 90s and the whole premise of these books was it was literally about Jason's mask was possessed and they're worth finding it's uh, the, the author was uh, it was a pen name but he calls himself Eric Morse and the, the books are silly money they're like $300 each I think it's five four or five of them but what that book does when what those books do is you have an opening scene where it's uh, 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 or you know the first couple of chapters and someone finds that mask and you don't know who the character is who finds the mask someone finds it and you're like oh okay like someone someone's got it uh, there's one set in a carnival there's one set of a lake there's all kinds of stuff and you go through it and and in that whole thing you are seeing someone in a hockey mask with jason's powers killing teenagers and at the end it's the reveal oh it was sam found the mask jack found the mask jake found the mask whatever else i think that element I, I would completely accept someone else under that michael myers mask and i think this but the way they went about doing it because it's so unclear in the rules like that those ya books you find the mask you get jason's powers they're the rules that's the rules it's easy, what are the easy michael man. Myers rules yeah yeah what's the what are these he was transcending okay what does he turn well nothing we didn't answer that okay so you can you know is, is he is he is he uh transferring himself into his body i, I, I just don't know and, and, don't and know. you know and if if you want to dig in like heels into the transcendent part then somehow make it so like his body disappears and and you know we don't have to see it or whatever but make it so the the, the body is gone and just the mask is there because he's transcendent into the boogeyman, like you said, um, and, and the boogeyman is the mask. It's the and, and now that mask moves forward throughout the entire series, and you can keep it going indefinitely, essentially. You can keep it going forever, and it's just, it, it, it can last for as long as you want it to last. Because we're 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 not necessarily we're not dealing with Freddy Krueger. Because it's the, I think one of the reasons why I haven't seen any of those Nightmare on Elm Street films is is because how do you replace Robert Englund? They tried yeah. it and no one no one accepted it. And I think he's so married to that character, it's 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 almost impossible to separate them. For better but for the franchise this, for better or worse, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I mean with this, i I think you can. It's it's just it's just a guy in a mask. It's a mm -hmm. guy in a mask. You know, you don't need it's not actor specific. And we've proved that. Like how many sequels we had. People have got their favourite Michaels and people have got their favourite Jasons, but it, you can, people still accept it as that character. With a different actor under there, like different attributes they they bring to it, and I think this proves you could have done that, but they didn't. I think you're right. Do you know? Do you know? What? I, I I it passed my mind, but verbally speaking outright about this, if he would have died, if he would have found the corpse of Michael Myers and took the mask, I think I would have accepted that. I think if you'd have had a good ending. Uh, at the beginning was a good ending to Halloween Kills. Okay, he's up there, still looking out the window. The cops just blowing to pieces, and he staggers off somewhere. He tries to escape, and they don't know where he is. Corey Cunningham finds the corpse with the mask. Because everyone's obsessed with the fucking mask. 
look at the tramp the tramp's guy give me that mask yeah yeah and like elaborate on that like why does everyone and it should be like evil people should be like drawn to it you know yeah. or something like that and so Corey has this darkness inside of him man i there's an interesting story here there's an interesting movie here but they just they they did not know how to put it together think back to halloween kills at, at the end there's that whole scene where karen goes up to Michael during the fight and she pulls the mask off. Do you remember that? And that pissed mm-hmm. him off. He was pissed off. Yeah. And he was, and, and he, he left, I can't even think in that film what he was doing, but he left whatever was going on. And he basically, she used that as bait to lure him into a trap with the mob where Tommy Doyle, Anthony Michael was there and the, the, the lady with the iron, everyone yeah. was there to kill Michael Myers. And she used that thing as bait. Like So, so he doesn't even think rationally when, someone took the mask away from that mask means something to there's something with that fucking mask there's there's something with that mask Corey wants a mask the the hobo wants the mask at the end you think laurie kept the mask laurie kept the fucking mask at the end the thing that's tormented her for 45 years oh keep the mask leave it you know it's just there it is it's just on the coffee table talking point on the coffee table oh what's that weird old mask about oh well funny story and it should be it should be treated like the one ring right from from lord of the rings like the mask should be treated like that whereas if anyone puts it on they're gonna they're gonna get like warped by it you know and it might be a gradual thing but eventually i want to see laurie like the end of this movie laurie just kind of looking down at that mask and kind of like you know reaching for it kind of touching it like being called by it you know have you heard uh, um did you hear about any of the test screenings for this film? No, no, I, 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 I had a complete blackout when I saw this, so I, I don't, I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> yeah, good, good for you, pal. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed that surprise Halloween end movie. Um, yeah. Um, from the test screenings, there was they apparently there was two versions of the film. One version, the version we got, pissed people off less than the other version. The other okay. version pissed people off more. The rumor, and I have uh, this is literally just internet rumor. This I'm just pure speculation. I'm talking now. Apparently, the other ending was completely different. Apparently, the other ending was Laurie Strode makes the phone call. I've got Michael Myers. I've got him here. The body's at my house. That all plays out the same. They don't take him to the junkyard. Apparently, they take him to the Haddonfield crematorium. She takes him there, pushes him, uh, and she's the one. She's the one that pushes the body into the crematorium, like Return the Living Dead style, industrial yeah. burner, puts him in there, and she watches through the window his burning body into his eyes. And in that moment, you know, when you have the Corey moment where there's the, the, the something passed yeah. between yeah. them, apparently, that happened with Laurie Strode looking into Michael Myers' corpse. And apparently the last shot of the film was Alison came walking in to ask Laurie Strode if she's all right. And Laurie Strode turns around and grabs Alison by the throat, then grabs her hand and says, get out of here. The evil's in me. That there was something like that. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, 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 and I don't know if this is true. People can say, no, you're completely wrong. But the, I've, I've seen videos on YouTube and I've read this a couple of places that people have said, yeah, this was the version we saw. This was this. There were soul differences through the actual film. Yeah. But the main change was that ending. Okay. That's and that, that, there was and I mean if you look into it, if you look at that ending, she has that moment when he's strangling her, 
and and she flashes back and sees all the time she's fought Michael Myers in the yeah. other films, and uh, much like Corey did. So I think it's something that the uh, it's a seed they're trying to plant. But it's a seed they 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 plant, but they never water it and it never blooms into fruition in any way. It's just something we've planted this seed there. Okay. Is it going to grow into anything? I oh, know we're going to forget about that now. I mean, it, I think moving forward, you know, someone's going to revitalize this franchise. It'll always happen. And maybe we'll see the mask be more of a central thing. Because at this point, that's kind and it has always been central, but having it have a power to it, um, I think that it's probably the last thing we, we haven't seen done yet, you know, with this franchise. And uh, I even said it on the Rob Zombie one on Return Revenge, Re- Return Revenge Resurrection. Go listen to that podcast, uh, my guest spot on it. But I was like, what I at the end of that movie, what I wanted to see, and at this point, the most interesting thing I would find is fucking, especially if Laurie Strode is his sister, I want to see her turn into the shape. I want to see her put on the mask and become the shape. And I know Rob Zombie was trying to do something like alluding to that at the end of his movie but moving forward i want to see just straight up a female shape killing people you know they did that in the comic book they actually made in, in one of the halloween comic books they made laurie strode she could she she went through it all and she killed michael and at the end of it she became him That's she cool. put the mask on and the overalls and that was like the last panel in the comic she was walking off in the distance That's as cool. the new as the new michael as the new shape but then but it does make everything we're saying about the mask kind of makes sense because think about the the, the first scene in 2018 the, the fake podcasters, who are not really yeah. podcasters, are actually radio hosts. They went to the asylum, didn't they? The checkerboard asylum. Mm-hmm. And he took the mask there. Yeah. And he had an importance with the mask. And he was holding the mask out. Going, Michael, you remember, yeah. you remember it, don't you? And do you remember there was that odd atmosphere that they built in that scene where all the other, the, the crazy people were like chained to blocks. Yeah. They were all, they're all shaking and screaming. Like they could it, feel the, the power the of mask, the mask. Yeah. They, yeah. There's some, they, uh, yeah, you're right, dude. Like the mask was, was clearly affecting them in some way. You, like you said, uh, the, the language of cinema, the mask clearly had some effect on them. It wasn't just the fact that there were reporters there or whatever. It was the mask. And it's like, yeah, they're the, this whole time they've been, been like, but maybe it's the mask, maybe it's the mask. And then by the time Halloween kills comes or Halloween ends happens, we're like, they're like, or we're as the audience, like, well, does that have anything to do with the mask? They're like, ah, we don't know. It doesn't really matter. It's over now. What? I, it's, it's over now. None of this matters anymore is what they're right. telling us. A lot of the, John Carpenter's most successful things have an ambiguous nature to them. Yeah. Hall- Halloween one, ambiguous nature. Yeah. At the end. Michael Myers falls out the window, disappears. Dr. Loomis is going, oh, maybe he was the boogeyman. And and he's like, oh, he was. It's, it's an ambiguity with, ambiguity, should I say, with a meaning behind it. And a character says, like, Dr. Loomis, like, oh, he disappeared. Oh, he was the boogeyman. Okay, right. And it plants a very simple image. He was the boogeyman. And you take that. Cinema language. Okay, yeah, he was the boogeyman. And everyone thinks that from that film. <sighs> It's ambiguous at the end of the thing. Who is the thing? Are they both the yeah. thing? Is one of them the thing? You're looking at people's breath. Is he breathing? Is he not breathing? Yeah. You don't know. In the mouth of madness, there's elements of ambiguity don't, don't, there. Don't spoil that. I know, I know. I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to. But there, there is. The, the, the Prince of Darkness ending. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ambiguous yeah. ending. Uh, uh, and I think they're trying to emulate the ambiguity of a Carpenter film without any substance to make it effective 
And I think Carpenter knew how to use it very slightly, very small things, the ends of the films. Ambiguous, open-ended. Were they the thing? In Prince of Darkness, did they actually die? Is he actually the boogeyman? But they put those odd questions during the whole fucking thing. And they're just, uh, and so nothing's actually really being answered. There's a lot of nothing being. Why is Laurie Stroh going on about he's transcending? Oh, he's transcending. If there was some sort of visual cue to give us he's transcending into anything, do you know what I mean? But there's nothing there. There kind of is, is empty ambiguity. There's, there's nothing really there with the things they're trying to say. It's, it's, it, it's just, and bizarre things happen because of it. Bizarre things like I killed someone. And she fully accepts it. Is it an ambiguous thing? Like, If it's an ambiguous thing, you need to show. Like we said, she puts her arm around him. And then, it, oh, I know, it was an accident. And then it becomes something else. It means something. Yeah. yeah. But with this, it, it's, yeah. it, it's just like these empty, a lot of empty questions that they're trying to treat. Like, oh, this is ambiguous, like a Carpenter's film. What does the mask mean? That's amb- that's ambiguous. Well, yeah, but well, we're in a, get, get, we need something. You don't ask ask at the end. Ask at the very end. Like what did what did, what did that evil mean? In the, it's something. But it's, yeah. it's like they're using it at the wrong time. Carpenter uses it for that one scene at the end, and you walk away thinking, "Oh yeah, I wonder what that actually means." But in this, they're dropping it all the way through. Like, are they teaming up? Are they pals? Is he on the back of the motorcycle? <laughs> yeah. Is he, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's like, I know that they're, they're trying to capture that sentiment of that Carpenter ending, but they're not really using it at the ending. Like, it's no one, you know, no, like John Carpenter's always said the shape. What is the shape? And he said, it's a force, force of nature, it's an element. It's something out there, it's unstoppable. And, 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 and there, there's questions within questions about that. But with this, they paint themselves into corners when he's just a figure in the background looking for a window, then you can say he's like a fortress of nature. Because there's nothing pinned on him. There's no characteristics pinned on him. But you're pinning characteristics on him. He can recharge. He can redo this. And you can't just be ambiguous about that. You need some sort of payoff about that. It's like, the, imagine the things. Imagine you had the thing. And you know what the rules are to the thing. We know what the rules are to the thing. It, it, you know, it, 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 it leeches onto people and absorbs them. Imagine if you were never told the, the, the rules of the thing. And it's just like, well, what the fuck is the thing doing? Like, one minute it's a spider and then it's a dog. But you're never given that information. And that's, this is what this feels like. It's just like there's something happening, but you're not giving us the information. Not just to tell us, to, to even lead us down the right path. So, OK, it's the mask. OK, he is the boogeyman. Okay, he's a human. It's like they want their cake and eat it with everything. And yeah. by doing that, you're giving us nothing. Yeah. So just like Wilford Brimley says, that's, see, that's not dog. That's imitation dog. Um, so, and this is imitation Michael Myers. So, so, all right, let me ask you this. Um, we'll wrap it up with this. You, you're a much bigger Halloween fan than me. I've always been a, a Jason Voorhees kid mm-hmm. growing up. Where does now we have the main... The main, you know, uh, timeline, we have the yeah. Rob Zombie timeline, and we have David Gordon Green sort of timeline. These three separate things, which one, where do you, they land for you? Um, are you going to revisit this one? Are you going to, does this, does this alter how you look at the Rob Zombie ones? Where does the, the David Gordon Green trilogy now, how does it, what perspective does it give you on the, on the franchise as a whole? Right. I'll, I'm going to go at this question this way um i 
I've never walked out of a cinema after I've never watched a film and walked out of the cinema and just stood there and said, I don't know how I feel about this. And it took me a long time to really process what I'd watched and how how to understand it. Because like we're saying, there's no cinema language there. I don't I don't know what you're trying to tell me. I, di- I didn't I didn't know how to feel. I knew what I liked and what I didn't like. But I just didn't know how to feel about it, like uh, as a thing as a whole, because there's certain films I like and I like scenes in, in the film. And there's other things where I don't like scenes in the film, you know, but sometimes I like the film as a whole. And this thing, I just didn't know how I felt because I saw it as a weird synth pop kid vigilante film fighting high school bullies pretending to be a serial killer. I kind of liked it. There's like the guy who played Corey. I, I liked him. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, 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 I liked that element to it. But when you think about what Halloween is or what it's supposed to be, and this is going back to like the 78 John Carpenter film, it's Hitchcockian suspense. And that's what it was. It was it was Hitchcock style suspense of a guy wandering around on a, in a small American town. And in this film, that's that's the heart of Halloween. In this film, could you say of any scenes? Did you, did you feel suspense? Like no, I, dread? I felt nothing. Watching? I felt nothing this entire movie. Yeah. So that, that that is the heart of a Halloween film. That is like what you kind of want to go like and people say halloween 4 is a good sequel yeah because it's about suspense there's a lot there's suspense scenes the michael walking along the roof scene that's a suspense scene halloween 5 you've got the the, the laundry shoot scene it's a suspense scene it's a good scene the film halloween 5 as a whole is not a great film but there's scenes within that film that adhere to the rules of what a halloween film is and they hark back to that that 78 Carpenter film, that Hitchcock in suspense, it's there. They they still know what it is, but the framework it's in is just growing rough around the edges and it's just falling away slowly. Halloween 2 has got good suspense scenes in it. Yeah. But there's, there's, there's good stuff in there. This didn't have that and it didn't feel like a Halloween film. It, filmed, it felt like a film with the Michael Myers mask as an avatar in it. And at moments he did Michael Myers style things, but it didn't feel like a Halloween film. And weirdly enough, before... Before I left to see it, it was just com- a complete coincidence. Um, I hadn't seen Halloween Resurrection for a very long time. And I, I didn't realise that I originally had a work print. I had a bootleg of it, but it was a work print. And it was very different. There was no trick-or-treat, motherfucker. None of that, <laughs> shit, none of that shit was in there. And, yeah. then, and I kind of just accepted it over the years as being a funny thing. Like, oh, it must have been in there. And so I'd never properly seen Halloween Resurrection because I'd literally seen a completely different cut. And I thought, you know, what? I'm going to watch Halloween Resurrection. Let's just sit down and watch this thing. And uh, I just bought a cheapy DVD from eBay, just bare bones, basic thing. And I watched that the afternoon before I went to see Halloween Ends. And Halloween Resurrection is not a good film. It's not a well-made film. There's an idea there. But if you're going to say about what was trying to stay true to what a Halloween film was and how it treated Michael Myers as a character. Halloween Resurrection, even though it does some goofy, fucking stupid stuff like Buster Rhymes electrocutes him in the balls and does kung fu on him. But Michael Myers does act like Michael Myers. You you get what you kind of expect uh, to a lesser degree. It's not a quality film. But that is a Halloween film. It's structured like Halloween. They're, 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 they're attempting suspense. They're attempting that atmosphere you had with the original film. They're trying. 
But this doesn't even try. This is this doesn't. It's not necessarily a Halloween film. So I, I don't know how. Uh, it, it's like a set. It is almost like a separate entity, like Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. But it's that Avatar. It wears the mask. It wears the mask of a Halloween film. But it's not a Halloween film. So would you watch? Yeah, if you had to, one of the two. Oh, what God. would you rewatch? The uh, David Gordon Green one or the Rob Zombie ones? I would. I would probably watch the David Gordon Green one. I'm really. I'm not a great fan. I want to go back, mainly because of you, to watch Halloween two. Because I know you love it, and I and I and I've well, at you, and I've well, mocked you, and I've I, gone, Matt Corey, what are you talking about? He's insane. But I, I'm gonna check it out for you because I love you. I'm gonna check it out. <laughs> well, I you got to listen to the Return of Revenge Resurrection episode because okay, because I've kind of I've actually kind of turned around on uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween too. Uh, I, I, in the in the progression of that podcast, you did, didn't you? You, yeah. you were explaining scenes, and, was, and, and I just felt I was just analyzing what you were saying, like, oh yeah, that kind of sucks. Okay, yeah, yeah, that, next, next scene. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and yeah, because yeah, up until probably a year ago or whatever, how many months ago, I would have been like, yeah, you you know, and I and I know it it irked you so much. I was like, I loved Halloween too. I Rob Zombie's better nuts. than the original. Yeah. <laughs> but but having rewatched the original now, I'm like, nah, the original's pretty fucking tight. I kind I kind of dig Dick Warlock. He's doing some good shit there, you know. Um, but yeah, dude, I think at this point, you know, it's sadly like as a whole. The David Gordon Green stuff makes Rob Zombies look look more focused. Looks like it, he has he has yeah, more of an idea of what he's trying to do. You know, yeah. this is it, this is unfocused. But there's a like you said, there is good shit in it. I like Halloween 2018 just from beginning to end. I thoroughly enjoy that film. Kills. I will rewatch that. I think it's I think it's fun. I think it's more fun. The kills mm. are cool in it, and I very much enjoy Michael Myers himself. And none of that is in Halloween Ends. But if I had to, I would probably watch the David Gordon Green ones. I I don't know over Rob's because even though Rob's is focused, there's just something that's just it, there's just something wrong there. That and maybe it's just maybe the over reliance on Sherry Moon Zombie or something. But there's something that just doesn't really appeal to me anymore. It used to like Rob Zombie stuff used to appeal to me, and I just I feel like I've moved away from it. Or I don't know, but I think yeah. he feels a bit tryhard. I think Rob Zombie feels a bit tryhard. It's just yeah. like it's like Rob Zombie walks on, on, onto set or when he's writing a script, and he and, and in his mind, there's just this tiny Rob Zombie going, "I'm fucking Rob Zombie," and it's just like this kind of edge. I don't want to say edge because I kind of like Rob Zombie as a human being. Like yeah, I, me too. I see interviews with him, and I yeah. like the guy, but that just does. He seems to want to create. Rather than making, let's make a good thing. Let's make a good film. Let's make a Rob Zombie film. I get yeah. it. But what a Rob Zombie film always kind of boils down to is really fucking bad storytelling, really bad characters, but it looks good and it sounds good. And again, like what we were saying with this, like you won't like anyone. You won't like yeah. a single character. Yeah. There's no redeeming character in old. And I think that's the problem with the Rob Zombie stuff. And have you seen the monsters yet? Have you watched no, them or not? No. Do you want to know something? I actually really like it. The script isn't very good. There's problems and Sherry Moon's a bit. Uh, but out of all of these films, I'd say the only Rob Zombie film I like is The Monsters. I, I thought it was. It's a kids' film. It's just a kids' film. It's just kind of fun. 
and uh, it, it, it feels like a good kind of thing to throw on in the background like a Hall- yeah. in halloween time where we are now throw it on in the background just kind of pick it you know it, it, it's so it's so non-offensive and, and, I, and i kind of appreciate that from rob zombie like oh, this is this is the rob zombie film i like the monsters but it's it's the film the halloween films it's just it's like he makes everyone an arsehole loomis is a fucking arsehole it's just like yeah you know just come on he doesn't yeah. need to be an arsehole he just he redeems himself in the first one doesn't he at the end going oh i should have been here for you laurie and by the second one he's like give me a fucking latte and a cigarette it's just like Ooh. oh you're you're an arsehole also you know, also like like with uh, Halloween 2018, I think you know Loomis dies in Halloween Rob Zombie, but then he magically is fine. And then yeah, I hate that shit. Um, yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, I, I think we've pretty much put everything well, okay, out let, there. Okay, let, let, let me just ask you this. Let me just ask you this. We've basically got Halloween one to six as a timeline. We've got Halloween, Halloween H2O, Halloween Resurrection as a timeline. We've got the Rob Zombie films as our own timeline. Now we've got the David Gordon Green films as a timeline. What would be your go-to and what in your mind sits as a good timeline? What what represents in your mind what Halloween is with a timeline? Yeah, um, I tell you, right now I would I would champion Halloween one, two, and Season of the Witch. I think, you know, the the you know, I think the Laurie Strode thing with with everything i think it only works as a one-two punch um being the sister i love that and then the fact that they introduce like Samhain just briefly in Halloween two, and then they they expand upon it in Halloween three. That's what I love. If if you're saying okay, we don't include Halloween three, I would say you know what? I would just watch Halloween one and then David Gordon Green's 2018. You know, I think that's a good back to back like yeah. that. Um, or just Halloween one and two. I think that movie did, that does a great job. You know, the original does a great job of making this little. I like. Like the collector and the collection. I like it doesn't always have to be a fucking trilogy. It could be a two-ogy. You know what I mean? Just two movies. I like that. And it, which creates just one big long. A duo. Movie. A duo. A duo. Yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah, like yeah. that. I think duo. that's cool. Yeah. I like that. And then Halloween one, two, and three kind of works as a trilogy, but also a duo, too. I hmm. I think that progression was beautiful and natural. And it's a shame that, you know, the viewing the public poo-pooed it. You know, it's a shame that that it didn't go in that direction. Um, what about you? What what is your preferred? You know, if you had to sort of you you're not watching every Everything, but you're just watching sort of the the timeline that you want. What would be your prefer, preferred viewing choices? I don't know if I want to answer that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do like Halloween Four. I do like Halloween Four, and I think there's something scary about Michael Myers stalking a kid. And I think the Daniel Harris stuff was interesting. Um, I think the ending to Four. I mean, basically, if you think about this, the ending to Four. It's totally riffed on in Halloween Ends. The ending to four where D- Danielle Harris, you know, they run up the stairs and she's there dressed in the clown outfit. Yeah. The, the evil was transferable. She touches Michael's hand and then she becomes evil and, and kills her mum and wears the clown outfit. So they're just riffing on that again. And I think that, I mean, you could say like you could end it with four. So it's all gone full circle. So it's, 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 it's he killed someone as a child. He attacked uh, uh, his sister. His sister had, had a kid after she died and then 10 years later the kid grows up and becomes the next michael myers that that is 
that's kind of a, uh, it wraps it up nicely in a way. It's, it's not, it's not the worst way to, to, to wrap it up. It, it comes full circle. It goes completely full circle. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, but I, I, I think, and this is, this is nostalgia talking rather than clear headed, cl- any clear headedness about quality filmmaking. But I, I go, I like to go one to five and then Halloween producers cut as just a bonus. And I think it's kind of a shame in Halloween H2O, there was a scene where they're in a classroom because she was a teacher, wasn't she? Laurie Strode in Halloween H2O. And it was scripted, but they just never filmed it. And it was the director who said no. And Jamie Lee Curtis was going to do it. And there was a scene where someone does a book or a report, should I say, in a class, a Halloween report talking about the Michael Myers murders. And they listed all the stuff that happened in two, uh, four Five, uh, the curse of Michael Myers. Oh yeah, there was a bunch of guys who worshipped him in Haddonfield, the town. And they wrapped, and they said, yeah, it ended, and, and he ended up killing his own niece, and she was supposed to run out and, and throw up in the toilet, and so she had this guilt again, this backstory of this guilt, and that was going to be in there, so they all tied together, and then she chops his head off at the end, and that, and as a series, I mean, it's not all perfect when you go to four, uh, five, and six, and, and, and the quality's dropping. But I think having that to, to cap it off at the end, the, those seven films, that would have, if they had had that scene, it would have been a nice arc. But that's the point where it's splintered off in time and it's up with, go, go. we're ignoring all that shit now. We're, we're talking about this shit. But personally, I like one, <laughs> one to five. A one to five, and I don't mind. Ha- Halloween Kills, I like. Halloween yeah. Kills is a film I, I like. I, like. I can sit down and watch it and have fun with it. 2018, I wouldn't go back to watch. And this. I think you're only going to know about this over time. Because I remember there was, a, like most people, there was a point in time where I, I wouldn't, I really wasn't interested in watching Halloween 3. But then I watched Halloween 3 the, this morning when I, before work. I woke up and I was like, I'm watching Halloween 3. I want to see Tom Atkins be a, a mustachioed sexist. Let's go. And, and, then, and then it was fine. I was like, this is, he's a fun character. He's just what, uh, bringing his ex-wife. Yeah, yeah, I see the kids next week, honey. Don't worry about it. I'm going to go and bang a 20-year-old. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, fine. Like, I can deal with that. It, it, it's a fun film. And I, and I, and I think it's going to be interesting in time. Because like, I watched Resurrection. I didn't feel, feel the hatred to Resurrection as I did before. It's not perfect. So it's not a good film in any way. But I didn't hate it. And I, I, I wonder in, you know, like five, ten years, what, what this feels like is it going to be the case of they're going to bring out another halloween film and then you're going to look back on this like oh, yeah it, this gets better because the new things gets worse and, and that's it, that's a possibility that's yeah. that's totally possible and and i'm and i'm okay i'll i'll leave it open for that i'm okay with that i will say this dude no one's talking about this movie like on instagram or anything like it came and everyone was astounded and then it just disappeared and i thought for sure we were gonna see memes like making fun of it like with michael myers riding on the back with Corey and all this kind of stuff but the point i think the thing is if no one likes this movie then there's no point in making a meme because we all agree that it's it's silly and stupid i think what's terrible is that the zeitgeist is this came and it disappeared. And I think that is the biggest sort of telling uh, about what the fan reaction is. But maybe, maybe down the road, something will happen to make this look better. Maybe we can revisit it some sometime down the road. But I think we're going to have to to move pretty far into the future to get away from the, the zeitgeist of everyone feeling a certain way about this film. Well, I, th- I think, as you brought it up earlier on, like this, they wanted this to kind of be that divisive season of the witch style film 
um, with the blue font at the beginning, you see the Halloween three font and they wanted to go to go for that. Like this Halloween is something different. And they went for it. And I think they got the same reception as when Halloween three actually came out, because yeah. when Halloween three came out, no one fucking liked it. Everyone was like, this is terrible. I mean, and they got that. And, and Halloween three didn't make money. And this one didn't make money. So you kind of it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. We want that Halloween film, Halloween three movie. Okay, well you've got the Halloween three backlash, and you've got the Halloween three box office as well. So in a way, they it's 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 a perfect circle. You got exactly what you wanted. You did what you wanted, and you got what you. This is what you want. This is what you get. This is what you get. Yeah. Oh, perfect, dude. Ending it on a hardware reference. Thank you so much. That's that's perfect, bro. (laughs) And and I agree, man. And I think that we hit a lot of the points, Uh, guys and gals. Uh, you know, let us know uh, your thoughts on on this. Did we miss anything? Were we, you know, on point? Uh, you know, leave us a comment on the Instagram pages and all, all that kind of stuff. Shoot us a message. You know, we always we always check everything and uh, make sure you know you tag David or whatever, and I'll I'll tag him on it so you can see it and everything. But uh, this was fun, man. It definitely helped me sort of sort out my feelings on it. Um, glad you were able to, you know, glad both of us were able to do this. I do love the fact that, you know, before we started recording, I was like, you know, this is a bonus episode. If it's only going to be 30 minutes, no big deal. If it's an hour, no big deal. Here we are pushing almost two hours. And I honestly, I could keep talking about it. I just, then I would have no time to edit this and it would never come out. So, uh, guys and gals, uh, please go check out everything David's doing. Buddy, what uh, plug? Where can people find you on, you know, Instagram? Where can they buy your books? Uh, do you have anything coming up that you want to plug, or you know, whatever you want, bud? Fantastic. Um, you can find me on Instagram as I think I'm David Iron seventy nine or David Iron's writer. You're you're da- um, <laughs> you can find David I? on Instagram at, yeah, at Corey. Take who, it away. <laughs> this is like uh, this is like the stepfather. Who am I here? Um, you are <laughs> David Iron's writer on Instagram, and I will have the link in the show. That's notes. it. I'm David Iron's writer on Instagram. David God Iron bless you, buddy. <laughs> seventy nine on Twitter, but I never go on Twitter anyway because it's no, accessible. No. Um, and you can just find me as David Irons on Facebook. Just uh, the red circle. There's a little circle with my face in it uh, with red neon light. That's me. I'm that David Irons. Because there seems to be a lot of David Irons out there in the world. But red neon face. That's me. And you can go and grab one of my books on. Just go over to Amazon now. And just type in David Irons. Don't go to wheelchair camp or David Irons graveyard Billy or David Irons seven winters alone or the new one. The anthology book is sicky quickies volume one the bees a bunch uh halloween with the bees a bunch or so but you should check that if you like halloween anthologies and uh, and if you like characters you care about unlike halloween ends then uh go and check that book out now and like i said i'll have all the links in the show notes uh please swing on by amazon and and check out one of his books uh, i have a few i've read a few and i love every single one of them i also post them on the instagram page so you can uh, see the full title over there and everything so give uh give some love and support to our pal across the pond david irons my man my man dude this was great bro thank you again so much uh hopefully we can just force zach to watch it one day and you know what maybe if he does to. watch it i'd love to dude 
if he does watch it, even if it's like a year or two from now, I will be happy to rewatch it and have like a three-way roundtable discussion about it. Um, but thank you for being available. I know it's late as hell for you right now. I really appreciate it. And guys and gals, please, please, please go check out everything David Irons is doing and go check out everything Zach and I are doing over on the Patreon page, specifically the Carpenter Factor. We're having a blast with that. We just recorded our Christine. Nope. We just recorded our Starman uh, review last night, but that we're just getting a head start because of Christmas around the corner. So that'll come out in November. Christine's out now. Starman will be next. Spoiler alert. Love that movie. So, Go check out The Carpenter Factor and uh, go check out everything David Irons is doing and go check out $2 Lay Fee, you know, Zach's uh, other podcast and everything. And uh, again, David, thank you so, so much for joining me. No problem. This was a blast. I loved it. I loved it. I love talking Halloween with you, buddy. And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. And Corey, one last thing. You don't need to find love, bro. You already got it. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Schaefer.